I don't know. Boom. Go ahead. Continue on. Yes. Yeah. So, so what was that statement again? That was a very oh, interesting oh, like, statement. So, uh, yeah, I was like, so last last weekend, I think I said this, but maybe it was off offline. I was saying like, you know, throughout throughout my life, I I'm glad I'm definitely glad I'm black, but I never wanted to be black. Not in the sense of like saying I didn't want like I wanted not embracing my blackness. What I'm saying is I wanted to just be a person, right? But through my life. I was told and made aware that I was black. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to live a life as a person. I, you know, as a kid, when you go back and look look at it, you look at yourself as just a kid. But then all of a sudden, you start to hear either certain jokes about how you how you look, how your eyes are, how your lips are, how your hair is. You're just thinking that you're a person, but you're being taught that you're not. And now you put yourself, now you have to figure out, oh, this is what I am. And I have to put myself into this box to relate and identify myself when I was just trying to live. Mm-hmm. I was just a part of the ether. When do you think that started, those things started creeping into your mind? If you could recall like some of your earlier memories of these things kind of like, whoa, I didn't know that. Well, well, little like, you know, little stuff when I was in elementary, like, you know, growing up in Elk Grove um, or going to the Elk Grove School District you know, kids would want to touch my hair and I didn't understand it. You know, I really didn't understand it. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me touch your hair and, and whatnot. Or, you know, I, I just remember one of the first things and probably why it still is one of those things where I don't really react the same way because when I was a kid, I remember it was, there was an old s- statement saying, fight, fight, a nigger and a white. And then, like, if a white one wins, we all ju- or if the black one wins, we all jump in or something like that. It was some some statement like that. And I remember I was ready to fight this kid because he was talking trash to me. And then the you know how like fights are in elementary people gather up. And then they say this, and then I'm thinking to myself, thinking it's real. Okay, I'm just gonna have to succeed and not fight because mm-hmm. if I beat this person's butt, now I gotta be, even if it's just words, you don't know if it's real or not. Mm-hmm. Now you got to be aware. Am I going to get beat up? Get beat up. That is you know what I'm saying. That is fascinating because explaining that when that starts to creep into your mind as a youth, and you know, like like you said, like I can't really recall, but you could kind of understand it in retrospect. Like, yeah, there it just it kind of slowly enters the everyday sphere somehow. And you don't question it because you're just kind of there to absorb whatever's happening. So, and then you test it, like you said, like, you don't know if that shit was real. I was like, yeah, there isn't anything in the world at that moment telling you, though, those are just words. That's not a real thing. <laughs> yeah. I said, you're just experiencing it with a whole bunch of us. Like, it's like Lord of some Lord of the Fly shit. Like, we're just kind of operating. Or whatever it is, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, then, and then there was one when I moved to El Centro, I had rocks being thrown at me called Mayate by, by, mm-hmm. by uh, Mexican cats there, you know, and then I'm like, okay. And then I remember one kid, I kind of thought he was racist. He had a cleft or whatever. And he was talking trash to me. I, you know, made fun of his cleft and he wanted to fight me. And I was, and I was taking Taekwondo at the time. And, you know, my parents were like, oh yeah, we don't want to put you in there at first because you're all going to fight people. So I tried to make it prove them wrong that I wasn't going to do that. So the kid was trying to challenge me and I walk away and he finds me. And I was like, look, I don't want to do anything. I go to tie my shoe and he sucker punched me. So you already know how I act, right? I chase him down and I guess I'm in front of the, 
the the principal's office and I just have him by his shirt like like don't you ever touch me again and I guess what they were saying is I, I threatened to kill him I don't recall oh, that's that. right I do remember you telling me this yes you yes uh-huh. I don't recall I don't recall that I was trying to set that you know yeah. I don't recall any of that things and whatever and I remember when I went home my mom was like you probably did say that and I was like wow you know what I'm saying like I just I was like oh okay you know yeah and i said look like dude the person punched me what do you want me to do like i didn't i didn't do anything i didn't do anything i actually try to like ignore it you know Mm -hmm. and then and then you hear you know one of your parents say you probably did that because your attitude or whatever i was like and i just looked i was like wow you know and i remember crying i was like really Mm -hmm. i get punched in the face and this is how you know that's probably the the first of many deep hatred i started with my parents you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but my dad backed me up at the time. He he once looked at me because he went to the office. Like he said some stuff. He's like, "All right, well, we'll expel him just right one time, but you better get your kids in check or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like things like that." And my yeah. dad driving me back is like, "Hey, son, I don't ever want you to start a fight, but I want you to end it." All right, see, there you go. So whatever that means, right? Mm-hmm. If that means walking away, or if that means like elbow the person in the face yeah. and let them know, yeah. you know, end that shit. However you see it, you know, make that yeah. choice. Give your dad giving you like that kind of that that free reign of like, hey man, you're in charge of those situations, you know, you yeah. do it all costs. I I got your back type shit, you know. It's like that's, yeah, that's he, pretty that's pretty deep in my opinion. He literally like he literally said, don't start fights. You know what I'm saying? Don't be that person, but make sure you end it. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you 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 figure out a way that that you end it for what's best for you. You know, so it's like okay, uh, so that was one of other situations. And then the kid tried to beat my friend after all that stuff. And I was like, I don't like you, you know what I'm saying? But I want to say some other times I remember was also, you know, when we we're in fifth and sixth grade together, like, I just always felt that our teacher at the time, you know, like had this thing against me. Like I was just like terrible kid, you know, I don't remember. like, I don't, I don't, I don't recall him actually liking me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just like, I was like, all right, man, I was more of a trouble kid, you know? Um, but I wasn't like like I wasn't like super super bad like some other kids, you know what I'm saying? That yeah, you, knew, you definitely weren't yeah, them like, cats. No, no, that you knew that was like yo, like, yo, this person's terrible. Everybody but knows, it more, but it was more like like Marcus, you can't like like because there was times where I felt like he because I don't feel like he got on those bad kids as much as he would get on me, like like he had a higher expectation of me, you know? Mm, maybe, uh, maybe he just didn't want you to go down a certain path. Maybe who knows? It's strange. Can you imagine no, yeah, being yeah. A, a teacher to, you know, like what you're describing, right? And you're just one of how many was in our class? Maybe like 20, 25, maybe? 25, but how many black kids were in the class? So, so that's what's insane. Is three, because three a, right? Maybe? Exactly. Back, one back. dude that is trying to navigate, and you know, educate, you know, to whatever degree these children in a span of six to eight hours or something. Like, that's, that's pretty insane to me. And it's not nobody's fault. It's just looking at that dynamic and it's like, is there a better way to do this? Or is this the best way to do this at that stage? Because what you're saying is, to me, it's a transfer of we're looking at the world as, you know, very innocent. It's like what you said. It's it's a little it's more pure in the idea that, you know, hey, we're just living. Hey, everything's just living. And then little by little, these little things start, you know, getting into your uh, ether and start to you know manifest itself and the reality starts to you know slowly shape 
you know, whatever dome of purity we had starts to slowly chip away and it starts to kind of melt and do some other thing. And before you know it, it's like, oh, we are such a shell of that little kid, you know, like when we're just jovial and just sporadic and eh, whatever, you know, free yeah. kind of thing to, you know, the mindset of, you know, at its worst, like, so man, this world and that is that and motherfucker just, it's like that it's so a dramatic shift so now to see that journey and you know you pinpointing those moments when oh whoa what why is this huh and trying to sort that out because as a youth i mean there isn't too many outlets to try to you don't even know how to really materialize what the shit you went through anyways no not <laughs> so at all. To, to ask somebody or talk about it you're like mm, uh, you know who knows you know what i mean Dude. Dude, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, I, there was three times I think I ever hit a girl in my life, right? Mm. One was when I was in El Centro, the girl did something, and I and I and I was like, I hit her right. The second time, the second time was in our class, and I'm not gonna say her name, right? But I remember she had said something, and I was just like, get up on my seat. It's like. She said some rude ass shit. And so I was like, okay. And it was dirty. It was, I, I did a dirty, dirty play on that. I remember like, okay, I, I stepped away, act like I was walking away. And then just when she sat down, just decked her on her back hella hard. And she was like, that didn't hurt. And then just started busting out and crying. And I was oh, like, man. dude, I was, yeah. And I always say that because I, I remember having like a lot of pent up anger. Mm-hmm. during some of these years you know what i'm saying like just feeling like everything was against me mm-hmm. and so and i remember shaped out that way like you know that that's what's interesting is is the reality you know shaped that into your mind somewhat or it started kind of revealing an idea like that that early you know yeah yeah and then, and then i just remember her crying and i was like oh man and then surprisingly the teacher didn't or maybe he didn't hear it or whatever but i remember not getting in trouble for that and then the third time was was my, my my mom's friend's daughter staying over for summer school she was sleeping in my room and started talking trash and i was like you need to get the hell out of my room like i was during that time i was sleeping i was sleeping on the couch right but then she started yapping her mouth right and i was like all right you gotta go right I'm like you gotta get out of my room start throwing her stuff out like no no and then she starts trying to hit me and i'm holding her i'm like no don't but then she kicked me in my balls and it was just like a nap reaction you know what i'm saying See, and it was context like, but that's context a- though you have context to this this is why you know actually having the full story behind reactions and trying to sort through it is some honest shit right here yeah no and i and i remember i what i remember i was like i'm i, I i'm trying to hold her and she's like no because i remember I want to say it was Chris Rock. And I, in the back of my mind, he was like, I won't hit a girl, but I'll shake the shit out of her. And so I'm holding it. And I was like, all right, let's try to just hold her and, and shake her or whatever, not do anything, right? Don't hit her. And then when she went for the, the, the ball shot with the kick, it was a natural like slap or whatever, right? Yeah. And then, and I was like, get up at her. Oh my God, I can't believe it. And then my mom, you know, told me, say, you're going to be a wife beater and all this other stuff. And I said, mom, she kicked me in ball, balls. And she said, I don't care. I think that was the first time I ever cussed at my mom. Mm. I was like, fuck this and fuck mm. you, you know? And, and in context, my dad had died probably a year before. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And some other things happened where I had frustration towards my mom, but my dad had died a year before. So there's like more anger, right? But then I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, you're going to let her act all over she wants in my house, in my room. I did all these things and she tries to disrespect me and then kick me in. And you're saying that I'm going to be this. And that was the last time I ever, I ever put hands on a girl, you know, I will never do it again. Right. I just, that, those are the three things that's like, okay. Cause even when I was in high school, one girl was like, I forgot. She, well, I was joking with her and I was talking to my friends and try to get in a conversation. I was like, the, uh, I said, this is an A and B conversation to see your way out of it, right? <laughs> and then, and my friends are laughing. I'm like, whatever. And then she taps me on the shoulder and I look back and she slapped the snot out of me, bro. Like straight up, snot come oh. flying. And I'm so hard. I like, I turned around and I'm looking at my friends, bro. I'm looking at my friends and they're they're literally like mouth over their mouth pointing and then pointing at me like, oh, laughing. And I was furious right and i just remember looking at the girl saying don't you ever fucking touch me and i and i do this like little like little push like get get away from me right like back up not a hard push just like yeah right my friends were making fun of me even on that and then the the teacher was trying to get me expelled or whatever he's like you don't talk to a woman like that and i was like she she slapped me so, you know that's some, that's some crazy shit right there because you gotta it's like strange how it's just a quick judgment at least in that instance uh you know what i mean like making snap judgments like that it's like man, you gotta we'll talk through this shit <laughs> you know what i'm saying we gotta in any situation like that i think trying to you know give it enough effort and time to try to analyze the situation for real you know really get witnesses instead of like snap judgment hey you expelled today you did this. It. Yeah. yeah, you're not gonna play tonight. Here, I'm gonna tell your coach because my coach shared the room like a, a like a door or whatever. He can just walk in. And I was like, go ahead and tell him. I was literally like, go ahead and tell him, and I'll tell you she hit me. I didn't do anything. Well, you want me not to cut someone out because they slapped me? Nah, that ain't. I even, I was getting really bold. I was like, nah, that's not gonna happen. Go tell him. Say, so, yeah, at know? what point can you not stand up for yourself? You know. Yeah. yeah there's something but, about but I, I hit women, but you did clearly didn't do anything, and they just treated you like, well, you did it, so fuck it. Damn, yeah, I mean, I, guilty, guilty, and I, I mean, I don't, and I'm not gonna throw race into that or anything, but it was just, I think it was like boy or whatever at that time. Um, but I will say, like, I just remember. Well, what I'm gonna say is, all those trains has also taught me to be very timid and hold back on things. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and, from and a behavior some, standpoint, some, huh? From, from like anger a... or or even telling people how I feel, like you know expressing this because it's like all of a sudden i'm taught not to say things not to not to react not to do nothing so when when i get into certain situations it might look like i'm a pushover right and it's just like well i've been i've been conditioned I've been, to be like this <laughs> yeah yeah you know truly i mean essentially you're too, right? probably not the only one yeah it's almost Military like a, some too. sort of domestication or something yeah like follow orders washington oh damn okay yeah you know Mm -hmm. and then and then when you get to a point in life where it's just like you have this kind of like it it might sound weak but just nonchalant like not nonchalant but it's like you know there can be a travesty or something like that and you just look at it like that's what it is you know emotionless that's most people to be honest 
people want to act like they care, but they don't really care for about anything. Let's be quite honest about that. Well, you know, people act like it, I think just for optics, but for the most part, people do not give a fuck. They don't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> I think I think it's like you get drained from trying to care too. You know what I'm saying? It's just too much. We're inundated with all types of shit. Yeah, we're confused on what the fuck we're supposed like, to be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, okay, what are we supposed to do? You know, yeah, like, so, so, exactly. So, so like, like, there's a part of me that, that like, I, I wish I, I have to look into more information, but I'm trying to figure out, like, what are people really upset about the Travis Scott thing? You know what I'm saying? That's a good and point. And I'm thinking, like, what do you, what do you want him to do? Like, you want him to be perfect and stop the thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, his whole, his whole spiel was to get people rowdy, mm-hmm. you know? That's how and, he became the person he is. Yeah. And, and, and the funny thing is, like, just say, you know, R. Kelly is probably a bad reference, but people love you the way you are and how you got there until it turns against you, right? And it's, it's like, act, you know, oh, this alligator keeps biting things and whatever. And then a moment it bites you, it's like, I can't believe it bit me. It's like, well, that's what it's been. And you were loving it that way, you know? You didn't do, you didn't stop it when it was that way before. And, and now you're like now oh well, now we had enough because this tragedy happened and, and it's not this is not me me being insensitive to the people that lost their lives it's trash it's trash i just don't know if you blame it all on travis scott you know i mean i have to look, do more information but it's like or uh, you know do more research but for me you know it, yeah. you know what I'm saying? yeah no, it is a topic of interest. Uh, at least my initial thoughts. I don't know the full details. Obviously, they're still coming out. But I mean, as a performer, he goes in there. His top priority, honestly, isn't like security for you know the fans. That's not his gig. His gig is getting in there and doing his show, getting his fans. You know, the show that fans expect, whatever that is. You know what I mean? Um, and clearly, there's a a a, a company you know, or a business that is actually, you know, in charge of that portion of the the show where it's more of the logistics, the, you know, tickets, merch, all that stuff. That's a whole different operation. You know what I mean? Travis may be a, a part of that to some degree, but I, I doubt it's a lot, you know, so I, I get what you're saying in terms of like, yo, he, he definitely uh, isn't like the main person, but then there's also that other talking point of, well, he's the one that is basically attributed to this, which I think is a little easier than trying to get at a whole company or a business like, Oh, if it's live nation, that's what I'm saying. There's not a singular person. It's like how they describe, uh, what was it? Um, yeah. Like they describe, uh, racism like that. Like there's a joke out there. I want to say this is probably Patrice O'Neill, like mostly everything I say, he said some shit like like Jewish people have, you know, like Hitler. Like, yeah, you guys have a singular dude that's like, that's the motherfucker right there that fucking, you know, is yeah. in charge. With black folks, it's like, there's not one guy. It's just a general idea. Like, it's, a, it's maybe a white dude. We don't know what he is or what he looks like, but it's a white dude and forever it's this it mystery. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So we don't know who it is. So we just upset like oh that's crazy yeah. so it's kind of just that 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 dynamic i don't even know lost my, my train of thought but um yeah i think it's just him he will be placed as blame because obviously he's a very big artist and this is one of the more tragic things that's happened at least on in those scenarios given how yeah. many festivals happen 
it is strange that that is the one now is it because of him the artist or is it just it was bound to happen based on this you know happening consistently just not ever being front page news because it would be in podunk you know wherever in the middle of nowhere same by the same company but it just something happens but it's not a big artist involved so you wouldn't really hear it like how you well yeah yeah because right I, mean, I mean injuries happen through a lot of concerts right and actually there was one where people were talking about just recently or a couple months ago in sacramento where they're like they threw this festival you know outside or whatever and they're like they didn't have enough proper safety equipment or water for people you know yeah and it is like so i remember reading that so when i heard this about it it's like i feel like this has been a common thing in a lot of um concerts that went on through covid you know because lack of supplies lack you know staffing uh, staffing because people don't want to work right now you know um so i feel like that's been a common thing going on you know our theme and so i think this was like a, a perfect storm considering also the music he he uh, produces you know yeah I could see that too. I don't think it's ever really anything singular at this point. I think when we talk about anything now, we're multi-layering it because how complex just whatever it is that, you know, we're doing on this earth and something like this magnitude, I, you have to keep all possibilities open and not be so, you know, singular, I think is the way to approach things. You have to kind of take everything into account. I think you make a good point, especially with the music being a, a combination with, you know, the time people are just angst to get out. Uh, his, yeah, his yeah. music kind of resonates with that and then you know on top of that low staffing most likely um trying to you know continue to try to do some type of quote-unquote regular style business of you know, yonder year with maybe a quarter or a half or three quarters of the staff still would be difficult so you know kudos to the people that were you know you know first responders and stuff like that that's still a tough job regardless because your job never ended it's just altered through and you know there may be less but that's always a hard thing to try to do especially well, at those events you know what i mean yeah so you have a situation where there's some people trying to follow the rules of whatever the men uh, mandate or the spacing or the proper amount of people and then you have people who are like f it mm -hmm. you know what f it i don't care let's have all the uh, all the people here you know mm -hmm. like in in, in if real fake or whatever just kind of like uh i'm not try like there was there was a comedian that came into the Sacramento area and when you see his if you see the posts or people that went to it you're like holy like depending on how you feel about COVID or whatever you're like holy crap that's a lot of people mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. and you're like according to the new regulation that's like overstaffed right just uh, a lot yeah, of people yeah. But now you have like, but you don't have enough of the like staffing to cover it. But then you have the people who are putting it on like effort. We have in this much. Why? One, people are angst, right? Like, that's another thing. Like you said, I love the fact you said that because I had brought that up. And I guess it's just the fart chamber or, you know, echo chamber that I want to hear. But when one of the first things I thought of was like, well, people are already fed up with the, you know, the social distancing, the some the semi, we're not locked down, but the semi you know, yeah. the and now people are clamoring at any opportunity to go out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then to go out to something like that. Yeah. 
you know that's, and a, that's a young part, age too that 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 demographic i think is a, a, of a younger age yeah um, which obviously imagine being pent up to whatever degree or not even pent up just in general like just that is a wild age range and cup you know, look, look yeah look being, being in the military right being in the navy i think the longest time i was out to sea was 43 days right shy of 45 meaning that on the fifth 45th day if we're out to sea we get like a beer day that's what they call it right mm. it was 43 days and by that time you get out to you go you go to land you have so much pent-up aggression and anger or or because you're stuck on the ship nowhere else to go floating in the circle you know you ready to f some stuff up right or get super drunk, or not F stuff up, but just get super drunk or whatever, just like at lash out, right? What a rage. Yeah, like, you're like three days, yo, we ain't seen no drinks. We ain't ate no good food. Had some normal looking women. Oh, we're dog, because we can't touch these ones on the boat. Because we do, that's court marshals and weird stuff, right? You know, people do, people do, you know what I'm saying? People but it's do, like, do. But, uh, but I'm like, nah, that ain't worth it. Don't risk it for the biscuits, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And then you go out there and, and act silly. So um, I can see that. I can see that that's a, that could be an issue. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating situation. I, I, I feel, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious to know how it plays out. I think there's going to be a lot more restrictions for festivals if I had to take a guess. Uh, they're going to, you know, I don't know if they'll, I don't think they'll do away with it, but there'll probably be some different, you know, price scaling maybe where to get to that front, front row, you might have to, you know, pay an absorbent amount or something and they would be sectioned off with security. It would probably be more like a open air, you know, nightclub where there's VIP but, sections and shit like that. Or I, I don't know. I mean, but then you also got to think of like Travis Scott, right? Like, you know what I mean? Not to say I feel bad from what I'm saying is we have these artists or people who's like, yo, I make most of my money on tours. We need to get out there. I need this shit. That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Because I can't live on this $4 million I already have in the bank because I spend it because I have no, <laughs> I'm over exaggerating. I don't know him, but I yeah. spend it mm-hmm. ridiculously, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Live shows is big money for artists, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, I know that that's always a big part of how to actually, you know, you know, get their, their money is through live tours. Because they're getting so. shafted by the radio, I mean, by the, yeah. uh, the, uh, the record, record label. label. Yeah. You know, that's like they, a common yeah. thing now like that's they, common knowledge right does everybody and they know? get shafted it seems by like the that. by the streaming people you have to like yeah. i have a million a million uh plays to get a hundred bucks yes yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah that's what i'm saying it's like is it strange how if that is common knowledge with everybody understands that about the music industry and yet the industry still exists to varying degrees you know what i mean i'm like that is because well, what happens is anytime you're Anytime you're desperate to to do something or get that fame or whatever, then it's at your it's at the it's at the whatever is discretion. So I mean, actually now I mean we talk about this all the time. Now when I say that, it makes sense. Like anytime a man's desperate for a woman, now the woman has the power, right? Uh, it's at that it's at their discretion, right? Ah, uh, yes, that's why you go but, independent, right? So yeah, that's why you go I I I E E N P right whatever the fuck is yeah independent song. But um, but when you so I look at it like there's a million people that want to be on this record label, right? All think they're hot, and so they want to get this opportunity. And now the record label can be like, "Cool, man, we're gonna give you this opportunity to have all the things you want." With their devil devil horns hiding, right? 
You can have yeah. all the coke and bitches and boot, whatever you want. Here's a hundred thousand dollars sign-on bonus. You got to make this up, and then you realize how hard it is to make it up because, you know, some of these people. Yeah, I'm not saying all of them. Some of these people aren't the most educated as far as looking at contracts or getting a person to look at that that stuff. Mm. You know, ignorance is bliss. You don't know what you don't know. That's true, right? And then you sign it because you're like the opportunity is so great, and then you look back at it. What? Yeah. I just, you know, I got four hundred thousand dollars, and I need to make six records that yeah. need to go platinum. Yeah, that even worth it? You know what I'm saying? And on top of that, you don't even own the rights to your rights. Music. You know, your masters are not yours. And then, and then you have people who go into this never really understanding how to manage their money. Yeah, like most people don't. So I mean, that shit is yeah. new knowledge that's just barely creeping out as of today. Like, and and, and then you wonder you know, why some of these these people go like, "Fuck, okay, so I'm getting this four hundred thousand dollars advance to make six albums to have to reach platinum right now." Well, shoot. I mean, what was that guy? Uh, not Wyclef, but John Forte, mm. where he got caught with all that weed or whatever. So you, what you do is like, "Damn, I'm in a bad position." Well, let me take this. 40,000 or 100,000 out of this invest in this illegal operation that will like you know quadruple or or 10x my money Mm -hmm. right now that will get me by and then I can reinvest that into that until it gets to a certain part where I'm good you know because of this this instant money I'm gonna have to invest it in a legal business now I'm not saying all of them I'm just saying there have been examples of that though you There's know. been examples, you know. You, yes. you you've seen that with some football players. It's like, dang. oh yeah, yeah, you gun, uh, drug. But I mean, when you realize how you know those contracts work, you know, to some degree. And I'm pretty sure we don't know the inner dealings, but the stuff that's reported is quite intricate. It's almost like uh, with artists, like your description. When I heard about like you have to have this many albums, you you know this and that. Um, I'm just like. Man, that's a tough gig. But like you said, it's it's you you could get a large amount of money in a short amount of time, and then have you know your time to make your music. But what you realize, yeah, I mean, like nobody what, ever really gets to the full six albums. Sometimes it's like two and drop or three and drop or oh, you're in lawsuit forever until you make another album. Then you're released. Like damn, that's why artists just kind of disappear. I guess. Well, I mean, one of the one of the major ones that stand out to me was was actually when I say that is Tupac, right? Mm-hmm. Supposedly the rumor was Tupac had to make a certain amount of albums, and one of his first albums was like a double disc, or second album was like a double disc, mm-hmm. and so they kind of like he had to have like a five record label deal or something like that with Death Row, as he bailed them out and did all these things, and and then he went in, and that's why he was going in hard, and then all of a sudden it's like, nah, man, this one's gonna be a double disc album, which counts counts as one. It's like fuck, you know. Damn. Damn. Like that. So that's that was one of the rumors I had. I have to look it up if that's true. But that was one of the things that they made it seems. That's why Tupac, when he got out, he was in the studio a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but also probably just getting out and getting excited. Like yo, dude, I got a lot of shit to say. You know, saying they locked me up for a year and a half or whatever. Because I do remember what was it? Uh, Summer Jam. I want to say like Summer Jam 93 in Sacramento was supposed to be one of the ones that stood out the most because I think Tupac was supposed to be there. It was a little bit after I Get Around song, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then like a couple of months later, I believe he got hit up with that rape trial. Remember? Oh, he, shit. Yeah, that, yeah, that was me. Right? 
he got he got hit up with a rape or whatever and i think he was in a wheelchair and then some people say he got raped in prison with a broomstick or whatever some stuff oh. you know um but and then he got out maybe a year and a half later or some weird stuff you know mm-hmm. but i have to look it up this is off the top of my my dome oh yo we just riffing here we ain't fucking yeah. historians They're just trying to recollect you know idea but i mean there was always so it's like we also know that to be true in the you know the music industry to some degree that there's <clears throat> a lot of that wonky shit that happens rumor or not it's just interesting how uh, you know those storylines always kind of get out to some degree you know especially now with the advent of you know different types of uh news reporting there's rumors galore and allegations and people coming out and multiple interviews with people that share these fascinating stories it's just the dealings to go into the music industry like they say it's one of the more fascinating parts of uh, one of the more fascinating businesses i guess yeah yeah no it, it really is so it's like It, yeah, it, it just trips me out. Like you, you hear all this, these rumors or whatever, and you see what it what goes down, and it's like, how do we know this prior to the the uh, the advent of the internet? You know what I'm saying? Like that stuff spread quick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's it's just kind of it's crazy to to think like that, you know. So, um, yeah, it is. I mean. Like, cause I, you know, I, I was trying to go to, I was trying to be, you know, into music and producing or whatever and whatnot. And, um, there's one of the reasons why I didn't go, you know, I didn't get into it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do all that stuff because, you know, I, it was like the, the lifestyle. I, I was like, I don't want to deal with that. I, I, I loved it and I didn't want to. Like, yeah, I wanted to make money off it, but I felt like it was, I, I'm not saying I would have made it. I just didn't want to sell myself for it. You know what I'm saying? Music's difficult. Like I always try to, you know, say, cause I don't make music, but when I think about it, it's like, man, like to try to go into a, you know, sound studio and just try to, you know, make something out of pure inspiration or, you know, creativity. Like that's the ultimate test. Cause then you yeah. don't want it to sound like nobody but you want it to have something and that's got to be the more challenging, you know, at least creative aspects, but anybody that makes music, I, and I don't know the plight of every music producer I know, you know, or music people in general, because there's so many different ways you could, you know, flip that, that type of uh, talent and profession. You know, you could be a teacher, you could be, you know, a voice person, you know, write jingles, produce commercials, like, the way it's different avenues is already fascinating, but there is a lot of uh, stock put into music, and I've always found that fascinating. Um, and I think with the hip hop, you know, portion of it, at least to my understanding, is during that time of the Pac and Biggie era, where there was that, uh, you know, noticeable like, whoa, this is becoming a billion-dollar industry in front of our eyes. You know where this is branding both East coast. This is getting to the population. This is becoming mainstream where I think when we were growing up, it was a little still more subculture like, and I think we were still in the, you know, rock and roll phase in our younger years, at least popular was rock and roll where hip hop was more of a subculture um, to many degrees. 
to see it become mainstream and to now see it become like, oh, this is on every commercial. This is everybody is, you know, in rap and hip hop. This is kind of like the sound in the culture of today. Uh, it's just fascinating to see the amount of, you know, uh, money put into it and yeah. the the importance of it clearly because for some reason obviously everybody listens to some music for all types of reasons and clearly it shows in the amount of you know money generated by the business um yeah i think that shit's fucking fascinating so whatever it is that that resonance and that sound does to people and for people it's like some magic so but along with that there comes you know some some good and some bad you know and how do you discern that as a person it's tough because we're both you know good and bad so shit calls to us you know when you hear some some of that shit where you're like oh that shit just makes me ooh, yeah not give you buck right yeah you know not what i mean like there's buck, that shit right? and then there's that other shit where you're like yo you know this is some uplifting i'm just gonna listen to some some throat singing you know what i'm saying i'm gonna listen to some yeah. chanting like you know i'd be listening to some weird shit i'm just i i'm fascinated just with the idea of music you know i'd be listening to some harp shit you know, if you listen to some fucking organs, organ, organ playing is wild to me. I'm like, yo, this is, this is interesting. Even watching it, like, you know, people that recorded it, there's not a lot of footage, but there are dudes out there that have uh, footage playing it. Oh man, that shit is mind blowing. So I know that music's important, but on the creativity aspect though, it's fascinating. Secondly, the music industry alone is that weird part where how much of it is you and you're allowed to do versus what everything in the room tells you to do or you know whatever happens in that room i don't know how the magic of music being made but i can clearly understand there's a lot of moving parts you know even in the way I mean, that things yeah are credited, i mean like everybody gets credit you know yeah i don't know how, how it's made by everyone else i know how it's made by me as far as like it's just it's just sometimes it's like the feeling and whatever it is you know like at the moment the sample or the drums or the emotion that I ha might have at the moment. And it comes out on, on, you know, on the, the beats or whatever, or, or whatever I do, you know? Yeah. So it like, you, I know that there's some people who can do it. Um, like right off the bat, like, just like they can, they can think about what they're going to try to do and play it. And I know for me, it's more, it's more like an emotional uh, type of feel to it, you know, for me. So Different process. Yeah, everybody got their process. That makes sense. What do you think about like independent labels, like uh, something like a, like a E40, right? E40 in like a, a lot of Bay people are, are independent, right? To my understanding, is that how it works? I mean, I, I think they are. I believe they are. Yeah. Are, like so, master p uh, okay for instance like master p was independent right yeah okay so something like that is that the best route to go as an artist you think or a producer or anything like that even though it's probably the hardest route but do you think that that's the more beneficial way to do it because isn't there some kind of thing where it's i mean like he I, owns I think financially all it's more i think financially it's more is is a better route um but some people may not get that that reach so it really depends you know but you know, I mean, when you look at it, right, like, it, like, I'm just playing off the social media game. If you have like 10,000 followers, right, and you, you, 
knew how to get like 500 of those people, which is a small percentage, Mm -hmm. 500 of those people to be hardcore follower and and give you maybe a hundred bucks or, or keep, keep them coming for like $5 a month, Mm -hmm. you know, you can create money off of those people. So you don't really sometimes need a lot of money. It's just the power in the numbers, you know? Yeah. So, well, it's direct so, to consumers. So now that you cut out yeah, all the middleman, it's all like, the wait, middleman, I don't all need the payment. Yeah. yeah. Well, how much is it? Okay. So I don't, I think I looked this up a long time ago and we might've talked about it or not, but how much is going platinum? What does that mean exactly when it's like platinum? I, I mean, I guess it's just the number of success. I want to say it's 1 million albums sold. Okay. Right? So like in the old school terms, if, if it was CDs, it's a million CDs that were sold. Yeah, say say like a million, just like a million CDs, a million records, a million tape, right? Okay. So it's just a million of that product to be sold. Oh, if you sure. did a million CDs, and I got to look it up, but that's what I believe it, it was a million to go platinum. Okay. And so and then uh, it goes so, gold, and then what else? Silver? Is there silver too, or platinum? Platinum's gold? the highest. Platinum's the highest. Yeah, so platinum's the highest. highest. Okay. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, let me, let me, uh, I know I'm just trying to clarify myself. So, uh, how many records gold to go is platinum, right? Mm-hmm. And I, uh, okay, platinum, gold is 500,000, platinum is a million, right? Okay. Multi platinum is over, uh, it's an increments of, uh, a million or two million and a million afterwards, and then diamond, right, is when you do 10,000, uh, 10, 10 million, sorry, 10 million records. Mm. So, just say, let's say hypothetically, you're yourself, you go platinum on a record, right? Mm. And each record when we're going up was 10 bucks, even though when, when you go to certain ones, it was 20 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're looking at that's 10 million dollars that was sold to the record label, right? Mm. Majority of that goes to the record label you might as a as a as a like artist you may get 30 cents to, to each cd Oof. you know what i'm saying damn that is that's but see now it's different today right with the streaming but it's the almost similar it, but the streaming makes it different so what happens you go platinum you're, you get like three hundred thousand. But what you'll make more of your money is on the, the shows or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And then, but that's going platinum, but you also get money from royalties and things like that, how often it was played on a radio. So that was another issue where some people would pay radio stations to play it more often, right? Like, hey, which is supposed to be illegal, but right, what's going on? I'll give you $10,000 to play my record like yeah. a bunch of times, you know? Huh. How do, yeah, okay. So then how do radio DJs factor into this world? I mean, like iHeartRadio. I, I, like, I, I know iHeartRadio owns a lot of the, uh, uh, like, radio um, shows, right? Like music radio, still. Yeah, I mean, I I know iHeartRadio owns a lot, and I don't. I, I forgot how the radio station plays. A fa- I mean, they play a factor by playing the stuff by the uh-huh. by, by the music, right? And that that like generates like the popularity, but then at the same time, it's like a like I said, like an echo chamber, they just replay what people want to hear. So if something's hot, they'll just keep replaying it so they get more listeners, more more ad revenue, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like it's just literally, and Google is what, I mean, YouTube is what 
radio is in a way it's like ad revenue ad revenue ad revenue the more we do that now we can you know we'll make off of that and then the person who's playing because even even when you look at youtubers they, they can have like a million followers a, a certain amount of stuff and then be like yeah i made one hundred and twenty thousand or twenty thousand dollars last year but the amount of work they have to put in is yeah. is ridiculous right um, production but i mean yeah. that's essentially ideal because it's all kind of self-sustained meaning it's you don't have but, to sign on yeah but at the same time where they're making their money is like you know join my patreon or or buy this this merch of me that i do you know mm-hmm. buy this you know this merch and then you have you have a million followers but then you have one percent to actually buy something so that's you know uh uh i'm really doing quick math so forgive me that's about a thousand people right yeah yeah a thousand people that'll buy uh you know fifty dollars worth of stuff a year for you mm-hmm. right so that's additional fifty thousand dollars on above that 120 or yeah. or something else or more more than that you know yeah so you know you that's where they'll make a lot a lot of money you know what i'm saying do you think that initially when people get into the music business and this is like just a general question it's more is it the chase for the fame or is it you know the the creative side or a combination of both is it a money thing is it you know to that height or how do people approach producing i don't know man i mean i want to be on the radio or do i just want to be making music that's like classic shit or do i want to just make i mean it obviously is different for everyone yes yes for for me i'm like when i when i listen to mainstream people they're in it for the mainstream money you know like Mm, like like a lot of them will just regurgitate whatever's popular you know what i'm saying Mm. at that time and i get it like we like i'll probably if i was starting rap when i was um in in junior high or whatever i would have probably done some butane some camp Lose type stuff like philosophy the liquid whatever you know like say a bunch of random stuff you're like what does this even mean right <laughs> the liquid popcorn popping the blah 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 stop it like some weird and it's like oh that's hot when it's like you're just regurgitating what's uh what was i mean semi-popular at the time you know mm-hmm. even though i think when we were growing up there seemed to be a, a variety of different style of stuff, you know, and now it doesn't seem as uh, versatile. It, it, you know, now granted, this is only what is being thrown to me and what's been thrown to me is what's popular for the most part, you know? Um, so I think there's people who come in and, and then there's some people who come in really loving, loving it, you know? Um, you know, Comet has been around for a very long time I don't know how many platinum albums he actually has, but he's still a lyricist and does a bunch of other stuff and loves the music. You know, same thing with Talib still going out there. Yeah. Although my, my viewpoint of Talib has changed over the years as I've gotten older, you know? Interesting, yeah. Um, you know, so you still have those people. You still have sometimes Eminem. You know, I don't know if Eminem did it for popularity, you know what I'm saying? But he became popular. Uh, so I think there's people who come in and they do it and they, they're just being themselves and then they then they look at it as like this like oh I'm about to be balling when it's actually funny like you know sometimes athletes look up to rappers but rappers look up to athletes and for the most part athletes make more money than rappers but you know what I'm saying a lot of them huh yeah because not, not a lot, a lot of, of them yeah. and and you know it's it's uh, I mean at the level of what they do it's it's very difficult you know. Mm-hmm. Music is the weirdest track. It's competitive, but it's not. 
right? You're not really against anybody. You're just kind of making music and then just trying to get it into the hands of people. Because it's not anytime- saturated. It's just you're trying to find, you know, your your people. Uh, yes, yes and no, because I think there's still uh, uh, the the insecurity of people wanting to be competitive against someone. Like sometimes rap beef is like, what what is this for? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. You don't like what they represent. You don't like what they say. You don't like this. You think they're better than them. You think you got, you got like shit on. I mean, perf- not perfect example. This is not music, but this is in TV shows. Supposedly, um, uh, Donald Glover had called out Little Dicky for the his show. People are like, like I guess there was a comparison, and he was like, "Yo, our show is better than Little Dicky's show, right?" And it was like, "What was that called for?" You know. But there's sometimes people have maybe this chip to sit there and say, "Nah, man, like, no, give me my shine. I'm gonna let you know this, what this is," you know. So I, I I don't I mean I think there's a lot of people when anytime you're doing anything that represents yourself there's a competition statement you know mm. I think the real secure people don't really care like whatever you know what I'm saying like I'm making my money I'm doing my thing why does that even matter you know I could see that from the emceeing side mm-hmm. from the producer side I mean I can see it from the producer side too. I can totally see that. And I'm going back to that, you know, Scott Storch, Timberland shit. I was like, oh, that's interesting. There's producers that have beef. Mm-hmm. I was like, hmm. And then, yeah, I can see that now because it becomes that creativity expression again where it's like, oh, man, you following this, you know, whatever, loop something or pattern something. You know what I mean? I'm like, I could see that. Where, like, you know, how rock and roll is always like, and they stole that guitar riff or that sequence they that's old school or you know what i mean like there's always all those legendary yeah. bands that are accused of there's that, always so. going to be that because people are going to be like um how can i say it's like you know i'm better than that what the hell you know i mean look look like and it's not the same but now right we're seeing that 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 uh scotty pippen is writing a book about michael jordan you know and this is, I don't know if you saw that, but. No, you know, I've been hearing, I've been seeing it in my, I didn't click on anything, but there is a lot of coverage on that. So what's the deal? He's going to write a tell-all book? He already wrote, I guess he's already write, writing a book about his, his point of view of how things work, which in all fairness, that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because a lot of the stuff that we watched over the years, and, and granted, like, I'm known to, to, to not like, like Michael Jordan as much, because I think, in my opinion, he had a lot of his bad behaviors are the way he's acted people have looked over because he's michael jordan you know mm-hmm. like people like he is almost next to jesus when it comes to anything in basketball you say you say that like when i literally watched the 30 for 30 on the the um the last run and there was a poll and people were going through and say what is lebron better than michael jordan and people still said michael jordan was a better at assist than lebron and I was just like, this is why there's an issue. LeBron is one of the better passers we've ever seen. It's definitely a better passer than Michael Jordan, you know, and in, in assists or whatever. That was always one of his strengths. I, I thought he was more, I thought he was more magic, more athletic magic than he was Jordan. You know what I'm saying? And when people said Jordan's better, then it was like, all right, that's where you see that there's a problem that you, that you can't admit that, that someone could be better than Jordan at something, you know? And that's where I saw the problem. And so what's going on is like, 
you know, the the whole 30 for 30 was saying one thing and then and then Scotty felt that it was like, man, I got blindsided by some of this stuff and how they portrayed me, you know? And now it's time for me to sit here and tell you how Michael Jordan really is, you know? It's true. There is no truth. There's just only, you know, perspectives. And yeah. I think, yeah, I, I agree. Like, you got to think, Scotty wasn't probably, he never heard of any of this until all this shit came out. You know. I mean, supposedly they say he, he knew about it because he was in it, right? He, like, he, he did an interview or whatever. Yeah. And they asked him some questions. But even so, you can say stuff, and you may not even really know what no. the overall, like, no. cut of it is, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like a movie. Like, motherfuckers don't yeah. know what's going on. Like, <laughs> they're just, here's the scene. Here's what I'm saying. They read the script, but they didn't see the whole thing. I mean, the, the story may resonate. I, I don't know how much they think about that. But at the end of the day... The, it gets edited and cut anyways so interesting and then now with pippin going but i mean luke longley did a little documentary already did you see that one yes I, I didn't see it completely but it was kind of like because he was left out you know then then michael jordan said sorry man i didn't mean that's my boy and i'll choose him every time but mm-hmm. he had to do his part right it's like i was left out and this is what what, what it was right yeah you know and, exactly. and so um and and you know and some people have an understanding of where they're at and where what their role was it's hard for you to be the top three. I mean, like you can even go and ask Chris Bosch, right? And there was signs of Chris Bosch talking about how it was hard. It's hard to play with LeBron, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Love got got put in the back burner when it was with LeBron too, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people who say that. So you're looking at it like I was the man myself, and I had my own stuff, and yet I got put in the back burner. And remember, they couldn't do it without me either. I was no slouch. But then they they relegate you to a slouch when you're not the man, the man, you know. And so, you know, in all fairness to what, what some Scotty, what Scotty Pippen seems like, Jordan couldn't have done it without me. He couldn't have done it without Horace. He couldn't have done it without Rodman, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. But you guys made it seem definitely about just Jordan when he, I thought it was about the Bulls. Yeah. You know. I think that's when the the league started changing when it was like away from the team aspect and it was more superstar driven. During that yeah, when you era. when you say Michael Jordan and the Bulls, that's like Mel, Hel, Hel Melvin and the Blue Notes or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. You'll never go platinum, whatever. That, yeah, dog, you know, <laughs> that's new dog statement, right? Yeah, that's true though. I mean, I, the, having Pippen do that, it's smart in a lot of ways. I mean, shit, the iron's hot. Michael Jordan's the you know one of the more heralded you know, players ever. So, and Scotty's right there with him. Like when you think Jordan, Pippen's probably the, you know, at least top three names that are mentioned right after Jordan mm-hmm. just by association. So you figure, you know, given Scotty Pippen's story, if we have to look at this in a playful way of this is some kind of TV show, Scotty has always been, you know, just kind of there and just quiet and, you know, just the, the dude in the shadow. And then now, you know, having those issues early on, didn't he have a couple of issues, you know, after basketball with, you know, there would be rumors that, oh, he, you know, lost so much money and, you know, whatever problems here. And it's just like, now yeah, I mean, his wife, I mean, like, you know, future, I guess, played his wife and, and just a bunch of like, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, like I, I, depending on how you are, some people like, F it, that's what his life is or whatever. There's a part of me, I'm like, damn. I feel bad for Scotty, you know, through mm-hmm. through some of the stuff he had to go through, you know. It's only because it's in the public eye, too. I think that's how I see it. It's like even though it's for our entertainment, 
it is still like, you know, these dudes are still dudes at the end of the day. Like, yeah, they just do something that people recognize. So for him to have this storied career, mind you, he stopped playing basketball in what, like the 2000s, right? 2004, I think. About Yeah, so imagine yeah. 15 years later, like, you know, whatever it is about our generation that, you know, has that thing with the Jordan stuff too. It's like, yeah, Pippen, man, that might be the second best thing going on now where it's like, oh, the Pippen thing. Now we're going to get another perspective on Jordan. It's almost like, this is what we saw in the nineties was star Wars, you know, four five, six, where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh man, this and that. Now what they're giving us is star Wars one, two, three, where it's like, Oh, this is what it really is. Oh, well this is from this perspective. And it's like, Oh, what? Oh, I didn't know that. And Oh, it's all being revisited again in some weird way. Yeah. Giving you what was actually happening during that time from this perspective, from this. And it's all intriguing. It's like, yeah, that's yeah, strange how me, he went that. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it was like, in all fairness, hear him out first, right? Because mm-hmm. even though he wrote it in the book, right? Because it, you know, the Fab Five um, documentary, mm-hmm. right, stands out because people got on Jalen Rose for saying that when they asked him about how they felt about um, Duke. Grant Hill, Duke yep. and Grant Hill, and said, I felt they were a bunch of Uncle Toms, right? Mm-hmm. And then people got on him and say, How are you going to do that? And it was like, What? I was saying how I felt at that time. I'm yeah. not calling that now. I'm saying that how I felt at the time. Mm-hmm. So two can be true, right? That's what yeah. I said. Oh my God, I can't believe you called that so disrespectful. And I'm sitting there and I remember watching, I'm sitting there and I was like, you're, you're really mad of something he said years ago when like, do you want me to just tell you a documentary and then edit out everything I felt? Then that's yeah. not really being honest. You know what I'm saying? People like honest shit. Or I mean, not maybe they, not they, no, Do they? I mean, they yeah, like to, point. Yeah. Extent, yeah. to an extent, extent. right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because even documentaries are edited out, like, mm-hmm. you know, like biographies. Let's edit this stuff. Let me let me tell you about how many times I teabagged someone, you know, like I'm assuming you know, everything we see is edited. <laughs> yeah, everything is edited, you know, yeah. because there's only so much you really want people to know, you know, mm-hmm. truth. And, and and we're all the we're all the superhero in our own lives, supposedly. Right. Mm-hmm. So you don't want us to show our kryptonite. You don't want to see. You don't want to show the 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 time I you know Batman killed someone, you know mm-hmm. because that's not what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be the shining light, right? Yeah. So it's just a different perspective, and it get like given the opportunity. So when he said like when Pippin said some stuff, and then Michael Strahan gave him like was interviewing him, he's like, yeah, I did say that. I I thought um, you know, uh, Phil Jackson was racist, but now now but what he said was like. Yeah, but that's what I was, I was at an angry point in my life, you know, and I said this and that, and that's how I really felt at the time. But as you get older, you write, you start to look back at things like I had more good times than bad times with Phil. I was an angry person at that time, you know? The context. Yeah, the context. He said me and Michael Jordan didn't hang out that much outside of basketball. Wow. You know, you, most people think that we we're best friends, but we weren't. No. The way they portrayed it on TV, they made that whole Batman Robin shit up. But when you the stories come out, you're like, oh, Jordan was out there fucking golfing, Barkley and all them. They was just chilling. He was just gambling, you know, kicking it. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. That is strange. You, like, you, you see, just you assumed see, they were best friends. You didn't see that. Or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that is. That is fucking weird. All this stuff coming out now. It's like, huh. Yeah, you kind of suspected it. It's just the way it was sold to us. It was a totally different thing. You know, yeah. I mean, like, like I mean, for some of the thirty for thirties I've watched is, is crazy because, like, 
I remember watching the OJ thing and, you know, everybody saying stuff. And then when you heard the, like the, when you heard that the, that the, uh, the lawyers went in there and changed all the pictures to black people for the, for the, like, first of all, as nasty and shady as that is, I'm just like, all right, you guys are, 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 are smooth. You know what I'm saying? Like that's some conniving foul shit, but like, there's that slight round of applause where you're like, you were really willing to go there. Yeah, gamesmanship. It, it, like it's like it's like I have to give you yep. a dirty round of applause because it's like good move, you dirty ass motherfucker, right? Yeah. You know what if, I'm if I you didn't do it, that would have been me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 ain't trying, you know. So it's just like boom. It's like one of those things where you're just like, damn, like that's that's kind of low ball, but you had to win at every cost. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? within the legal spit there was no rules of saying that you can't change pictures in the house yeah you know what i'm saying what they did was they played off of people's emotions Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying everything was a soap opera yeah they painted a picture that that like although there's been you know showings of the police department in la being corrupted Mm -hmm. they they pointed it out more that there it was you know especially during the time of 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 uh rodney king getting beaten or whatever yeah. And and whatnot, and the cops got off. It it was just the easy alley oop to play. Like, like how said, can we? Well, yeah. we got to distract him. This has nothing to do with the case, but does it? Mm-hmm. You know, you put it in doubt because that's yeah. what you got to do. That hey, this guy didn't do anything. The cops are trying to get a good, outstanding black citizen, man. OJ Simpson of all things. This guy has done so much. You know, naked gun thirty three in the third, or you know whatever. It, you know, come on, hurts. OJ Simpson, the yeah. juice is loose. Come on, nobody's that juicy. <laughs> Yo, that that was during what? That was like during the Knicks in Houston. Was that? Oh no, no, no. That I, was I the Bulls. In, it was uh, like I want to say it was nineteen ninety four, and I just remember it stopped, and we're just watching. I'm like, what yeah, is going yeah, on? Bulls, There's yeah, a few things yeah. that happen like that in life where you like that that one, mm-hmm. and then like nine eleven, where you're like, yeah. For me, you know, surreal. Same. Okay, I'm okay, same. Okay, okay, okay. I'm okay. Same. There's, three, I'm there's same. three for me. There's three for me. Okay. OJ. Yep. Like, what the heck's going on? Ding. Okay. Right. 9 11. Ding. Kobe dying. Ding. Yeah. For, for yeah. me, for me, I was just like, no, that's pretty. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I'm trying to think of anything. And, and else then, I, then I would say, then I'll say uh, to go to retrospect, uh, Magic Johnson HIV announcement was this where I was like, like surreal, unrealistic moments for me. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like mm. what? Yeah. Because yeah, that was at HIV the height of that shit too. Well, I mean, not like I don't want to put it on the same level as COVID, but HIV at that time was like, you died from that. Oh no! It. I mean, if you watch them old school interviews. It you would say it was very similar to you know the the, the nineteen you know what I mean yeah For real yeah because yeah, I remember I remember thinking like people were, were trying to just disprove disprove that you can catch it off of drinking water off of someone mm-hmm. like do not share you know a water fountain off of someone who who's uh, at HIV you'll get it you'll get it yep right you'll get it yeah there's my saying like I ain't gonna guard him yeah. I ain't guarding him I ain't gonna be on the court with him I was like yeah whoa. 
And, but and we're looking back at it. And, and it's really weird because he had came back for an all-star game. He had already retired and he came mm-hmm. back for an all-star game and then became the all-star MVP. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I remember that too. That and was I, the and blue I and white say, and Orlando. I want to say, mm-hmm. say he was already retired when he went to play for the Olympics. I believe so. Yeah, because that was him and Bird's like last. That was like hurrah. last hurrah. Yeah, last hurrah shit. And now Magic does what? Make a Owns bunch of money. Half, half of LA. Yeah, exactly. Owns Starbucks, McDonald's, and 24 Hour Fitness. And and I don't know, like, it was never, was it ever announced, like, yeah, I officially am HIV free, like, um, no longer? No, right? Was there ever, like, an announcement? No, I don't think it was an announcement. It's just, I, don't, I mean, I don't think he ever said you was. HIV positive. That they, they, I think they made a, a, a statement that his, his level is so low now that it's almost like he doesn't have it, you know, mm. because all the suppression and stuff like that. Um, all good. Sky high, episode fifty. Marcus Washington, Noxu Cal, appreciate all day. <laughs>